Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you want to go to rugby heaven? Let's go back to 1987 with Squidge. With Squidge. Let's go back to 87 with Squidge. Are you ready for something, to hear something really clever? Ooh, 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 like Todd Clever. Just, are you ready to hear the name Todd Clever? Yeah. Todd Clever. That's, that's clever. So, uh, I'm going to introduce this podcast, but I want you first to remember who's playing Japan, playing 10 for Japan, Japan. in this very game we're going to be discussing Japan. later in this. Japan, the rugby, rugby team. The national rugby union team of, of uh, Japan. Japan from um, the year 1987. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Their fly half. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the fly, the number 10, 10 position. Number 10, 10 position. Yeah, standoff, stand, sometimes yeah. it's known. Uh, the Japanese, the Japanese actually translate the standoff is the phrase they use okay, for okay. fly half. Like yeah. it translates directly to standoff. Okay, That's okay. the phrase they translate so the fly half, number the fly 10 half position. From the, the red and white team from this game we watched from Japan. Yeah, 1987 Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Yes, I want you to remember who that was. Yeah, I can remember. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. I've got a name. In my so, head. Yeah, so yeah, you'll yeah, appreciate this when I when I say "Hurrah and welcome to the Squid Rugby World Cup <laughs> retrospective." Oh, that's really clever because Seiji Hurrah is the name of the fly half from the Japanese rugby team from 1987 yeah. Rugby World Cup, and it sounds a little bit like "Hello." That was the joke. Yes. Thank oh, okay. Okay. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's really um, clever. So. Hurrah and welcome to the Squid Rugby World Cup Retrospective, Hi. the rugby podcast that is exclusively about the 1987 Rugby World Cup for now. For now. For now, For now, thank you. Um, so, for now. So... Other players with the same name. Yep. I am Robbie or Squid, whatever you want to call me, and I'm joined as ever by Will Owen. Yep, thank you very much. And today we are here to discuss perhaps the most anticipated game in the history of the it's Rugby probably World Cup. the best game. The biggest scoreline England had ever scored up until this point. The most tries and the most points they'd ever scored and their biggest winning margin up to this point ever mm. in the history of Rugby Union. Bear in mind that at this point... They invented the fucking thing. Yep, the international game was 105 years old at this point and they'd never scored more points than they do in this shambles of a match. <laughs> It's the first time they ever scored across the 50-point barrier, yeah. according to the commentator, which is very impressive. So this is England's 60 points to 7 win over Japan from the first World Cup in 1987. Yes, which is, as as we've promised already, like probably the most anticipated and most well-known rugby match probably to have ever been played. Since uh, Scott and France in the 1987 World Cup. It's true. Um, there's a few that are just on hard rotation yeah, in this World yeah. Cup that we all have seen many, many times. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a game watched by 4,800 people in a cricket stadium in Sydney, which is not the country where most of the games in this World Cup are being played. No. But because originally, as we've discussed on past episodes, games were going to be hosted in Australia. Mm-hmm. And in the end, games from Australia's pool were played in Australia and all the others in New Zealand. Um, 
Is that how they split it? That was how they split it. I didn't even realise. So that. this game is played in a cricket ground in Sydney, hence why the the everything's so far away because I've just plonged a rugby pitch in the middle. Did they like get to a month before the World Cup and realise like, oh shit, I've got an extra pool here, lads. We need to accommodate for them somehow, <laughs> and then just delegate random grounds in Australia. Well, no, because it was a, a whole thing of like Australia was due to host every game. And right. it was like they were going to split it between them in New Zealand until it became like, actually, lads, but I haven't done the homework. Yeah, um, yeah. Can you, can you perhaps do the presentation this week? So this probably feel, falls on Neil Durden-Smith and mm. Man Who Wanks Over Pigeons <laughs> and all of, the, all of that holy triad. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know why I said triad, just group. group. <laughs> the, 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 the gang. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the pigeons themselves. Yeah. Uh, really. Funny enough, just as you were talking just then, a pigeon just really looked me in the eye from outside your window, mm. uh, where we're recording this in your flat. And uh, just, it's perfectly, the window is perfectly eye level between me and pigeons who may be sitting there. I had uh, a pigeon that came and watched me play Tony Hawk as I had COVID. <laughs> nice. It kind of poked and I had a look at it. I was like, you're right. Did a little nod to the pigeon. Uh, and then as the pigeon started staring through the window and looking like the eye line at the TV screen. It's pretty cool. And so I just like went back to playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, as I've mentioned, was what I did when I had COVID. Yeah, so yeah. I got really yeah. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I've pretty much stopped since. Yeah, I just yeah. had two weeks where I was really into it. Yeah. It's what the coronavirus um, does to you, man. It's exactly. one of the symptoms. It makes you stop playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> you just get really, really into doing the school level over and over again until you can get a high score on it. Yeah, yeah, Um and so I was just doing that and the pigeon was actually having a nice time and his little mate came and watched as well and he was clearly like oh, nice. look at this guy he's really Watch good pie. at Tony Hawk now it's like, it's like Twitch streaming but exactly like I invented the pigeon Twitch streaming which I think is a business that's worth investing in I think look like should we, should we do something about this yeah I think it's the, the next obvious branch for Squid Rugby to go in is <laughs> Squid Tony Hawk content for pigeons yeah 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 and like look we, we started doing some content about rugby games but frankly no one really cares about them no it's more skateboarding games aimed directly at pigeons at, at pigeons yeah yeah the pigeons would enjoy yeah. i i don't really think we generally have a market for humans like we're, no, we're in rugby or otherwise to be honest yeah, i don't yeah. think humans think really enjoy massively overblown i think the real like areas for growth within rugby at the minute are pigeon pigeon rugby yeah um, look all we know on your youtube statistics on the subscriber mm. numbers. We just know that the subscribe button has been clicked like 160,000 times or how yeah. many it is. We don't know if that's all by humans. It could well, have been pecked by pigeons. Like when I check the statistics, it comes out saying mm. it's like the channel statistics are like 92% male, uh, 8% female, 100% pigeon. Oh, interesting. So, which of course is the sequel to 100% wolf, which I discussed <laughs> in the previous episode. <laughs> I tell you what, I have not thought about those words together since... What episode was that we I talked about remember, that? But I talked probably about like the film over a year ago. Yeah, I mean, I I saw the film 100% Wolf twice in one day and I haven't oh, thought yeah, about did, it since. That was a good it's, anecdote. Yeah. I don't remember anything about that episode or 100% no, Wolf. No, I, I, I think I was calling back... This is not interesting but i think i was calling back to something that happened in 100 percent wolf and i ended up telling the story about seeing that it was similar to the rugby world cup because it was raining so oh, i went okay. back in and was like what else is on now because i don't want to walk outside in the, the okay. rain for two hours okay until my train so Makes i went sense. back in and was like oh the only thing starting in the next like 10 minutes is 100 percent wolf which is the yeah, film i saw yeah. this morning yeah so i saw the film 100 percent wolf twice in Quick. one day which is a cheap australian animated movie starring samara mm. weaving as a wolf 
Right, okay, yeah. Quick apology to anybody who might have listened to that episode multiple times that just knows that story no better than I do. No one's times. listened to that multiple um, times. S- Anything. So, should we look at the England and Japan teams from yeah, this game? I think we should. Do you want to start with England? Let's start with England. Maybe. So they made quite a few changes, the team that played against Australia. Yeah. So they've obviously got a game against the USA to come up as well. And then beyond that, they'll play a team from Wales and Ireland's pool. The winner of that pool, or yeah. the runner-up. The wind is the favourite at this point. Uh, yes. So, uh, they make a few changes knowing they've got bigger games to come. Japan were... So, this is a fascinating quote that comes up in the commentary. Yes. Japan were described by the American team afterwards as playing hot popcorn rugby. <laughs> okay. Tell me what you think that means. I think it means that it's either incredibly sweet or salted. And uh, it's never one or the other. It's never quite both things. Yeah, okay. No, it means it means it pops up. The ball's popping off the ground all the time. The ball's popping about. I was going to say, it. I think it's... My, my, what my view on that, my interpretation of that is mm. that generally people quite like it, but I think it's shit. <laughs> yes. I'm yeah. not a fan of popcorn. No, it's noisy and disruptive and yeah. not a good yeah it's yeah. like why would no. just a bit overrated yeah. popcorn for yeah. me you know you go you go to the cinema yeah, a, lot yeah. more, a hell of a lot more than i do hey hey we can probably agree you go to the cinema more than me yes right? that's, that's fair that's um true. when did you last have popcorn i can tell you when i last had popcorn yeah when i saw the midnight screening of avengers endgame Okay. Uh, because the I decided quite last minute to go to a midnight screening of it. Yeah, just because I like going to midnight screenings. Yeah, like, yeah. Thing. It's just cool. like it's That's quite cool. like a. Yeah. It's like you know, like like going to live. It's the closest you get to going to live gigs. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're the first person to witness like, this. It's happening in front of you. And you know? because you're surrounded by the biggest fans of the thing. That's true as well. That's and true like, as well. I never really cared about Star Wars until I went yeah. to see Episode Seven, like the the first new one, of course, at midnight. And in the IMAX thing, and there were like a thousand massive Star Wars fans mm, there, yeah. and people were like cheering and whooping, like the studio logos coming up, and like you were the everything. least sweaty nerd um, in that whole room, which is a first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm normally in the top three. Look, you're um, not on, you, you like Star Wars, but you're not like a I, Star Wars. I watched fan. the Star Wars films for the most of them mm. uh, I hadn't seen before. And I watched them all for the first time that week beforehand. Really? Okay. Yeah. I've not seen all so, of the Star no, Wars films. I see- think I've seen... Because we weren't raised on no, Star no, no, Wars. No, no, we at all. It wasn't like, like a thing. So no. I think any knowledge we each have of Star Wars is either through the Lego franchise... That's it. Like, um, or I just knew, organic. I knew what happened in Star Wars because we played Lego Star Wars as kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, we played through the, the complete trilogy. Yeah, that's true. As well as the one on Game Boy Advance. I think I've seen... Um, I, th- I reckon I've probably seen four of the original six yeah. Star Wars films. See, but I don't know which ones. I remember getting in from work quite getting in from work at like 4 or 5 p.m or something mm-hmm. and knowing hmv closed in like half an hour yeah and i was seeing star wars in like two days right so i like basically ran to hmv bought the box set came back this was mm. before disney plus yeah yeah came back and then watched like the first trilogy one night and the second trilogy the next night wow okay um like oh, back to heavy. back yeah like both days i know there's a lot of work. people who do these things like regularly like yeah. lord of the rings marathons which i wouldn't oh, wish on people no. you hate lord of the rings don't you but I mean, I I Here's don't thing, though, like, hate Lord of the Rings. It's just way too so long. The, the problem There's is too much of the it. The problem is I look like someone who likes Lord of the Rings, <laughs> so people assume that I like Lord of the Rings. Okay, okay. And I think I've just been entirely. Just I've like never put that together for it. what it's worth. Yeah, I'd never. I'd never looked. At, granted, but I do live together for the. But first, I do. You know, like anyone listening to this, has seen the end of the videos, right? Yeah, goes. 
I bet they've gone, Squidge looks like someone who likes Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. I had never made that connection myself, which I hope is, mm. is worth something, you know. Thank you. Uh, do I look like somebody who likes Lord of the Rings? Mm. Mm. Okay. Kinda. Kinda, okay, kinda, okay. kinda. I've, um, thankfully, I've never had somebody make that assumption about me, I don't think, which is which is fine. In fact, people often you, kind of assume the opposite, I think. You definitely look like somebody who's into Depeche Mode. I can't. I don't know De- why Depeche Mode. <laughs> Depeche Mode. You definitely look like someone who's into Depeche Mode. De- Depo Mode. If they, if they made, look like if they made, if they made personal Jesus in the Houses of Parliament, Deposh Mode. <laughs> nice. You definitely look like someone that always puts Depeche Mode on in video games. It's interesting. Too. So I'm not a big fan of Depeche Mode. No, but you I, look I think like they're it. all right. You yeah, look like I, it. No, no, I look like, like Lord of the Rings. You look I'm like fine with Depeche that. Mode. Like. I don't mind Depeche mm. Mode. Just like, as far as like 80s music goes, I'm more into like R.E.M. and mm. U2 and stuff like that. I like Depeche Mode, you know. I, 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 I can get behind the whole 80s synth stuff. It's just, I'm not like, like they, they I don't really care about A handful of really great albums. Oh, yeah, yeah, And they've yeah. also written Utter Dross. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah like The comparison made in the Six Nations between them and Girls Aloud, right? Where Girls Aloud is like consistently yeah, yeah. like seven and eights out of ten. Mm. Apart from Biology, which is a 12 out of ten, which is maybe one of the best songs <laughs> ever written. And, oh, I'm serious. Whereas Depeche Mode is like, Highs are some of the best pop music ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you listen to the rest. Just can't get absolute... enough. Personal Jesus. Yeah. Um, what, the, what are the, the other bands they the, do? The, the, their album that I have now Violator. Name of. Violator. Violator. Thank yeah, you. yeah, that's a good album. Uh, Violator's um, brilliant. That's the only um, Depeche Mode album I know. Yeah. Um, but then, like, you listen to the stuff they've more recently Oh, I released. Released. I listened like, to the one they released last year. It was atrocious. Crap. Yeah. yeah. Um, I listened to that. It was in, a bit self parody ish. When I was writing the script for that Island Wales thing, mm. I wanted to listen to their most recent album just in case I was wrong on saying they went on yeah. the cliff. <laughs> And I was not. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you're listening to the Blood and Mud Rugby podcast. Um, <laughs> so we talk do some DIY chat now. No, no. So as we were saying, <laughs> we both struggled. For England that made quite a few changes to their team. Yeah. So notably, in a, in the centre continues Jamie Salmon, who is 100 percent salmon. Yes. Um, and do you want some interesting stuff about Jamie Salmon? I would love to I know am some interesting fascinated stuff about this guy. About I don't know how much you know about Jamie Salmon. Salmon. I know fuck all about Jamie Salmon. So, I'm level with you. His name is Jamie Salmon. Oh, I know that. I knew that. I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was pretty much the one thing I know. I, so, you know what? I can tell you three things about Jamie Salmon. Go on. One of them, his name is Jamie Salmon. Yep. Uh, the other one uh, is that he plays rugby at centre. Yes. And the third one is that he's English. Well. Oh. Well. We'll come on to this. Okay. Uh, the first thing that stood out to me, and the reason I wanted to look him up, is he's 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 he's, he's a salmon with a mullet. <laughs> How often do you come across that? So he's a salmon with a mullet, right? So Jamie Salmon is interesting. He's a really notable figure in rugby history. Okay. Right. For the fact he is the only man in the history of the sport to play for both England and the All Blacks. He... Hold on. Yep. This kid played for the All Blacks. So Jamie Salmon, playing for England in this World Cup, won seven caps for the All Blacks. What? And then whilst on the Northern Tour, whilst they were playing England in Twitter, mm-hmm. he spoke to some people from Harlequins. He right. signed for them, then stayed there for how many of years? He was born in England, so he was like English qualified, okay, yeah, then you yeah. know, moved to New Zealand as a teenager. And came through the sort of New Zealand system, played all the senior rugby. Yeah, there, became so. good at rugby. Yeah. yeah. Then signed for Harlequins there right. moved to harlequins there and yeah two years later played for england for the first time that's so strange like don't get me wrong jamie salmon wasn't terrible no i thought he plays pretty well in this game yeah yeah yeah. but i didn't look at him and think like 
all black. No, it's one of those where you go, you are playing well in this game against a weak Japanese mm. yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And he came into his own in the second half when Japan just gave up. Yeah, yeah. Granted, like, I am still at this point pretty bad at pointing out when somebody actually plays well in this world. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, he is currently very interesting until Zach Mercer does the same thing. Yeah, I, that, that did cross my mind when he does the complete opposite, in fact. Yeah. Uh, and goes and plays for the All Blacks, which I hope will happen. So uh, his last game for England was at this World Cup, but he went on to play for Quinn for quite a few years afterwards. Okay. Uh, where he was apparently a huge crowd favourite. And when he'd score a try over the Tannoy, there was a familiar chant was called out. The, the announcer would say the same sentence each time he scored a try. And I'm going to give you two guesses at what that might be. Well, they might say when Jamie Salmon, Salmon, Feed the fish. scores. Nope, but it's a good guess. The way that you say salmon yep. makes me think there's a pun on a different kind of fish. So maybe something about cod. Maybe that's something that could sound like God. Oh my uh, God. What's the song? Oh my God. Are they chanting to um, the yet to be released for another 20 years Kaiser Chiefs hit single, Oh my God. <laughs> I actually, cannot believe it. It's actually, they ripped it off and there's a huge lawsuit about this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, when Jamie Salmon okay. scored for Harlequins, they would chant, The Eagle Has Landed. What? What? What, what is the Didn't link Didn't even there? play for the US. What is the link? Because we look before at Canada, where yeah. they had Spike yes. McTavish, who they'd gone from... What was what what was the, the progression there? Spider to Spidey to Spide to Spike. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, arachnid. It was originally Arachnid. Arachnid to Spider to... Yeah, <laughs> that's ridiculous, isn't it? So I can only imagine that Salmon to Eagle probably has more links. It's like playing the Wikipedia game, this, well, isn't I it? I think it might be... Do eagles, you know, like they swoop down and take salmons. Like they'll pluck a salmon out of a stream. It's tenuous. It's really tenuous. And also, that isn't the eagle landing. Yeah. If, surely surely if the, the eagle say, lands and takes the salmon, that's a bad thing for the salmon. Yeah. That means the salmon's suffering. The salmon's about to die. The eagle has swooped down and killed the salmon. Yeah. Yeah. That's a more accurate thing. But also, that's when he scores. Yeah. If he was, like, going off injured, that would be a fair thing to chant. Mm-hmm. The eagle has landed. But... <laughs> He's just, yes, our centre's just died. Yeah. Let's come up with a funny chant. Yeah, exactly. That would be much more fitting yeah. than him scoring a try. It would be much more factually accurate. So, Jamie Salmon is still actually involved in marketing for Harlequins. Is he? Yeah, he works for a marketing agency that does Harlequins and a few Premier League clubs as well. a few better chants. Um, <laughs> Uh, so he's, he's still involved, and like his okay, profile on the website uh, said, he's a huge supporter of Harlequins Rugby Club, and he loves them, and he loves rugby Harlequins, and he loves Harlequins, That's and Harlequins good. are cool in an almost cultish way. The other anecdote about Jamie Salmon, okay, right? so we have mentioned a few times, like there's a kind of legacy around the game between England and Scotland from this year's Six Nations, the 1987 Six Nations. Yeah, yeah, okay. So famously, Dean Richards knocked two people out in that game. Yeah, of course, it was and game it was of rugby, just, of course. Yeah, an incredibly like brutal, bloody game. It was a Saturday after all. <laughs> so, after the game, one of the Six Nations, Five Nations as it were at the time, officials spotted Jamie Salmon coming out of the referee's changing room. What? Okay. Okay. Wait, what? Okay. When challenged for this, Jamie Salmon said, I told him that if he blew up two minutes early, I would swap jerseys with him. What? What does that, what does that mean? Like... So, was he used to referees blowing the final whistle early? 
Is that the? I know. I think he's. I think he's trying to bribe the referee to end the game two minutes early by saying, "I'll give you my shirt." Oh, and then he was spotted coming out of the referee's changing room. But also, I don't know if that's what's happened. Does the referee want Jamie Salmon's shirt? Does well? the referee want Jamie Salmon's shirt? Does he have a really high opinion of, or did he have a really high opinion of himself at this point? He was an Oblick. He was an Oblick. That's a good point. <laughs> They're Gibson, always humble, which means always, yeah, no dickheads policy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So Jamie Salmon, Jamie in Salmon center. comes in at centre, partnering Kevin Sims, yes. uh, who obviously has not yet gone on to create the video game, which he named after himself. <laughs> no, of course, um, of course. We have Mike Harrison continues on the wing. Yeah, as captain. As captain. Of still. We also find out in this game that he was given the nickname Burglar Bill. Yes, we For the do. fact he once scored two interception tries in one game. So, Burglar Bill is something that we are familiar with yes. uh, as a pop culture reference. Not pop culture. but well, it, was, it was a children's book. It was a children's um, book. Which I looked this up. Which I was very into as yeah. a kid. Like, I loved Burglar yeah, yeah. Bill. But he was kind of a... I mean, he was a burglar, but he was... Quite charming, I think it's safe yeah. to say, Burglar Bill. Like uh, he well, was, he was very much the protagonist that you supported when you were a kid. You, know, you don't there's... think about the people that he's stealing from, weirdly. Uh, and he had a catchphrase, which was, "I'll have that. I'll have that. That's uh, a nice so and so. I'll yeah, have that. Yeah, exactly. That's a uh, nice ball floating through the air from one player to another. Precisely. I'll have that. Which is definitely not a joke I have written in my notes later on. <laughs> when Mike Harris scores an interception try, but yes. Uh, so yeah. that, was, that was Burglar so Bill. To set I looked it up character. as well. So Burglar Bill was published in 1979, right? Okay. Meaning that it was only eight years old at this point. Yeah. So was it either a huge level sensation, like national <laughs> deal, or was it was it nickname given to him by a child? Yeah, maybe. Well, I assume because it's very much like a children's book. Like for anyone unaware, yeah, like, it's yeah. a. It's a, like British, like probably targeted age hero. about four, five, yeah, six, like year children's old book kids. About a burglar, and the first few pages are like very repetitive of him, like yeah, saying, yeah. "Oh, that's a nice piano. I'll have that." And see in the piano, or yeah, whatever. And then he finds a baby, and he steals a baby, of and then he raises the baby with Burglar Betty, who he meets later. Of on, course, baby's I forgot mother. about that. Uh, that's that's goes, really that's badly, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. He steals a baby. <laughs> he just steals a baby. He straight up steals a baby, man. <laughs> Mike Harrison maybe doesn't want that. Anything. I also discovered looking this up. There's a so like. Uh, so the book was published originally in like 1979. Mm-hmm. In like 2008, the author published like a, a novel prequel right. called The Boyhood of Burglar Bill, which is mostly about Burglar Bill <laughs> playing in local football tournaments. What? Are you serious? Yeah. And like, the... like five aside. Yeah, well, like just local like age grade football tournaments yeah, in like yeah. the 50s. <laughs> And it's basically like, apparently it's like an autobiographical story based on the author's life. Of like, oh my God. But also explaining how he grows up to be Burgle and Bill. So basically, what this is ha- what's happened here, I can tell you exactly what's happened here. This author, mm. his big hit was Burglar Bill. Yeah. Right? And he's had another idea that he yep. thought, this is okay. I need a bit of name recognition. Exactly. Here. He's done a McCartney 4. His, his, his publisher won't give him any interest. So yep. he's just slapped. He's absolutely just slapped Burglar Bill on there. He's made up a character who yep. is pretty unique and original. Because that's what you've got to do to make a good book, bro. And he's made up this unique, original, footy, footy, footy yep. lad. In his in his teens, maybe yeah, say? yeah. It's like, it's like a ten year old, and then it's like, like oh, it, literally the last sentence is, and that kid grew up to become Burglar Bill. Exactly. Like from what I gather from reading the kind of synopsis and blurb and everything, it's like he wrote Paddy Clark Ha Ha, and then was like, what if it was a prequel to the Gruffalo? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's crazy. Yes, yeah. that Burglar Bill was was he good at football? Do we know? I think so. I think he played yeah. in like a. I think it's like an underdog. You know. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. I like that about him. I like that about yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, I hope about Ben defends growing up in like because it's like yeah. that's a nice ball. I love <laughs> that. He's a goalkeeper. Yeah, should have been a goalkeeper. Yeah. Anyway, Mike Harrison wasn't actually a burglar, no. as far as we know. No, he was a winger who occasionally scored inception tries, so was known after children's book. Yeah, they also changed the halfbacks. So Peter Williams comes in at ten, who I'd never heard of. I'd heard of him from the fact that he played ten in the previous England game we've done in this I podcast. I thought Rob Andrew played. No, Peter Williams played. I think, <laughs> well, I think they've each played about. a game. Uh, is this England? This second, is the second game. Second game. Second game. Played the oh, USA I have this. no idea in that case. It probably was Rob Andrew. But I was convinced it was Peter Williams. Okay. So, who knows or cares, frankly, other than Rob Andrew, who yeah. will come on to later on in the game. But yeah, Peter the... Williams. What? Yep. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. No. I can't tell you anything about him like, if you watched him. I'm convinced that... Peter Williams, there's a few things that I'm not really convinced he has is familiar with. Mm. One of them is kicking the ball. He doesn't seem to be familiar with. Another one is the fly half position. He doesn't really understand kind of what that is. And the third one is rugby. It seems (laughs) like he's never heard of rugby before. I'm sure he was a very good player for like Leicester Tigers. Yeah, oh, definitely. No doubt. No doubt. He tore it up at Prem level. He's got the kind of player who's probably very highly rated at the time. Yeah. Written all over him. But I don't see it. No. Looking back. Yeah. Sorry to Peter Williams and his children. Um... (laughs) Then the big change, of course, though, into the front row comes the one, the only, Cooch himself, Gareth Chilcott. I love Gareth Chilcott. And, like, what I love about Gareth Chilcott, above all, is... Not above all, because there's so many things to love about Gareth Mm. Chilcott. But not only the fact he's he's an amazing, like, after-dinner speaker and doing all of that circuit and uh, just a a good person who just pops up on the television every now and then. Not as a pundit or anything, but just to... To be Gareth Chilcott. Yeah. But, like, he has never stepped out of his lane. No. He's always <laughs> yeah, been. Yeah, you're right. I was a tight-head prop from the 1980s, <laughs> from the Southwest, and that's all I want to be. Uh, and I love him. He's he's great. He's maybe the most West Country player rugby's mm. ever produced. And, like, the West Country is one of rugby's real heartlands in, in yeah. the UK. But he is maybe the most West Country person they've ever oh, produced. Oh, yes. Oh, like, yes. Like, he would slot in in hot fuzz effortlessly. 100%. 100%. I first heard of Gareth Chilcott from seeing him do, like, a feature on a Sky Sports thing for Lines. Yeah, And yeah. he was saying, like, oh, yeah, I went on this. It was a fun tour. You know, I'm not going to do the Southwest oh, It was a funny episode. tour. I yeah, remember it being yeah. a funny tour. Uh, yeah, and stuff like that. <laughs> and him talking about, you know, how much beer they got through on tour and so on, like... That he could he could definitely drink a skin for. Like, it was... I think it's well documented that Gareth yes. Chilcott could drink... But, and, and seeing him do stuff like that. So actually getting to see him, to see him play rugby was just no surprise at all. Yeah. Just literally exactly who I expected <laughs> exactly to be. Exactly the player I was expecting yeah. him to be from the legend. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of those stories, we'll get onto more of those next time we cover England. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, I think that pretty much covers the England team. Yeah, I, I would agree. Moving on to the Japan team, I think they stick far more with their previous lineup. Yes. Uh, there's a handful of changes, but they keep kind of the, the key players. So Harashi keeps the captaincy. Yeah. Uh, we have Harau, the real standout of 10 for me last time. Yeah. Um, also, Gordon Brown in the comms said that Hirao played the previous game at 12. I'm certain he, he played, played 10. 10. He played yeah. 10. He okay. Played 10. That was n- made up. Yes. Um, <laughs> Gordon Bray, though, is really fond of Shinji Oanuki. He is. He certainly is. Who is very much in that lineage of like, I see him slotting into the lineage of 
Onazawa, who we talked about in 2011. Mm. Fukuoka's kind of taken it as yeah, well. Yeah. Awata, probably most famously. Definitely. And there is this kind of lineage of the, Japan always having a number 11 who is rapid. And tiny. And tiny. Yeah, like, yeah. slight. Onazawa's slight maybe the exception, but like... No, but yeah. Onazawa was skinny. He was like, skinny. He was, he was, he tall, was taller he? than yeah, the others, yeah. but he was skinny. Yeah. And they always just kind of like slip through tackles and so yeah. on. You see it happen a few times. Again, game, underdog. Yeah, he really slots into that kind of mould of like they've always had one. I did like Anuki. I think he's fun. Yeah, he, he was slippery character. Just yeah. suggest like yeah. Of course, our uh, a player that we took a bit of a shining to was Miyamoto in the previous yes. game, who of course remains in. And you mentioned Hayashi keeping the captaincy. Something interesting about him is his scrum cap. That he has the scrum cap where he's got it weirdly tied up, and, and he's, he's got a knot that lies on his chin. Yes, and then he often chews the bottom of the thing. Right. He often chews like the string coming down. Okay, in his mouth. Yeah, as he goes. I know there's some players that have chewed. I think like Richard Hibbard used to chew gum. During yeah, games. Adam Jones. Adam yeah, Jones. yeah. I suppose it's the same sort of idea. I guess um, so. I guess so. But every single time he was on screen, I, ju- I was just taken by. It the looks scrum weird, cap. doesn't it? Yeah, it looks yeah. weird. That it wasn't a Velcro strap. It was tied together and it rests on his chin, not even underneath. Yeah, like it was on his chin, like just below his lip. It's very distinctive. Uh, yeah. The other Japanese player I'd like to point out, and I know we talked about it last time, yeah. uh, is Tutiyoshi Fujita, the hooker, mm-hmm. who just feels like this kind of revolution. Like, he, So him and Brian Moore, it's interesting to see the two come up against each mm. other, because they are by far the two hookers in this tournament who have the most ball handling skill, I think. Yeah, who won most kind of like I, extra flanker type Yeah, role. I looked at Fujita and just thought like he's a precursor to Shotohori. Yeah. Oh, he, um, yeah. Like, but like you're right, like Brian Moore... He is around the park. Let's be honest. The thing he's best at is stamping on people at rucks. Like sure. he's really, really good at just getting people out of rucks and so on. Like solid at the set piece. But he was basically the one English forward, other than Gary Reese, who could catch the ball uh, yeah, and like he's, give competent passes. He's probably the best ball handler in that England pack. He's very, right? very good. Yeah. And looking at him in this game, and Fujita's a different thing because Fujita's that kind of like token player, like Shotahorio was in 2011, mm. and Todd Shotahorio obviously got better and became like a yeah. genuinely possibly world class hooker as he went on for his yes. career. But in 2011, he was a kind of novelty player. Yeah, of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like he should really be back, but he's the wrong shape, so they put him in the front row. Yes. And so he kicked sometimes and he threw like little slit slip Stupid passes out the back passes. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas Brian Moore feels like a revolution in hooker position in the way Fujita feels like a kind of like a fluke. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, Brian Moore feels like, oh, this is what hookers are going to look like in 10 years' time. Yeah. In the same way Dane Coles did. Mm. Uh, and now every hooker is like Dane Coles was yes. 10 years ago. No, um, I think spot on. Yeah, I think Brian Moore felt like actually looking at this World Cup and having seen every team play now. There's no, there's not actually a hooker in this tournament who I think is as good as Brian Moore. Mm, no, like, I, I think, think he fair. is the. I've I've come I probably I, I probably slated Brian Moore a little bit in the previous episode. I can't genuinely can't and remember. Look, like, but he's 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 a lot better than I realised. You look at this England game. pack, right? Most of them, as I said last time, are in their team to be pricks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. They're a bunch of fat bastards. <laughs> Dean Richards doesn't seem to know there's a ball. Like genuinely, I think Dean Richards, on all accounts, probably plays well on this game. In this game, mm. but what he's in the team to do is punch people. Yeah, like he punches people. Like there's a point where he gets the ball and doesn't know what to do with it. He passes it forward by about seven or eight meters, <laughs> which he, is so ridiculous. I watched the second half of this game in the office with you working alongside yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. squad rugby office. You might have heard me guffaw. At one I point. did. I did. That was at at Dean Dean Richards' ridiculous pass ten meters forward. Yeah, yeah. I had to really like restrain myself from craning my head around to view what was on your screen. But yes, uh, th- that that makes a lot of sense. So, with us having covered the two teams, mm. 
Can we cover the thing of just pre the kickoff when? So yeah, I've got three things I want to bring up. Pre-kickoff. Okay, okay. So but should the... we take it in turns? Okay, okay. So you go first. You got. Three. I'm gonna go first, right? Gordon Brer's a face. <laughs> didn't have that written down but that's a really good point <laughs> gordon bray has a face i've never seen it I, i've never seen gordon bray's face i've heard i've been hearing his voice my entire almost literally my entire life like yeah. i probably first heard gordon bray's voice when i was about five or six right <laughs> actually no no he was completely in 95 like from the day i was born i was like Literally, I, w- I was born during the 95 World Cup, right? I apparently watched a number of games like on our parents' knees in hospitals. So, so technically on. you did hear So I, I've voice. been hearing bloody Gordon Bray's voice since I was about four days old. <laughs> yep. About four days but old. You know what You know what really surprises me about this? Mm. So it's not necessarily that Gordon Bray has a face because previously I always put a face to Gordon Bray. If you ask me what does Gordon Bray's mm. face look like and the image that was in my head was the image of the referee on Rugby 04. Yes. Which is the only time that Gordon Bray would speak on that, as that he was the colour commentator yeah. to, to, to John Inverdale. And we've covered this before, but he would talk about the back row. And he would only talk when the referee is staring at the camera, smiling really creepily, yeah. and shaking his hand <laughs> left and right. I found it so weird to see this... Guy dressed incredibly 80s, mm. but like smart 80s, you know, not yeah, like flares. Yeah. Uh, this guy dressed incredibly 80s, kind of handsome, like like slick back, like, like solid haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and just be like, oh, that's it's Gordon Bray's voice coming out of his yeah. face. Very strange. I've never it, seen it. I couldn't. It took work me going it out. back twice to kind of put together that that's the same guy as the commentator. Yeah. Uh, I rather have, than just a different guy with the same voice. I have the same thing with whenever I see Nick Moynes' face. Strange, but, isn't it? And it's nothing against like Nick Moynes. Even Mark like, Harrison. Because I, yeah, Mark Harrison I'm more used to now because yeah. I've seen him often enough. But like Nick Mullins, because he pops it's about often great every commentators. Year. Yeah, exactly. You just associate with their voice because their voice is so like isolated and independent. The only exception is Bill McLaren. Who I always yeah. picture very clearly. Yeah, yeah. Like you picture him with the thing held up to his mouth. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Talking into it, and you can picture how it's facing. With his little hat on. There's something yeah, about yeah. like the sheer warmth of Bill McLaren's voice that yes. invites you to imagine a whole person there. Definitely, definitely. Um, He's very unique in that. Yeah, um, in that respect. Yeah, and that's nothing against the other commentator we mentioned because, as I say, I think Nick Mullins is an incredible commentator. Miles Harrison, I hold as the best commentator out yeah. there. In, yeah. in rugby, but you just yeah. you don't picture a face going with them. No, and I. It, look, it's the reason my face pops up at the end of videos so that no one ever has that disembodiment from yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Um, keep them honest. Yeah, you've, you've got to know that I pretend to have a face sometimes. Uh, so Gordon Bray has a face, and that yeah. was really weird to me. He yeah. pops up at the start, talking on the sideline. You see, you see what's interesting, mm. they, he never seems to go to a commentary box. He seems to just sit on the sidelines. He I don't know if he does it during the anthems, maybe, but it's just like, it doesn't seem likely. It seems like he just sits on the sidelines. And at some point, Mark Eller, who doesn't have a face, seemingly, <laughs> appears with him. Yeah. Um, but you never see him on camera. No. Nope. Does he just stand on the sideline and commentate from the corner of the pitch? Don't know. D- now, I'm going to briefly point at my notes here to okay. you. Is your second point that? Yes. Okay, so I'll say that, saying as we're taking it in turns. So. Um, I realise now we've got four points. 
Okay. To cover before the kickoff. Have you got a minor one you want to get in just quickly? No. Okay. No, you go. In that case, so Gordon Bray, when he first comes onto the television screen with his face, he mentions the fact that Japan in the previous game had played quite poorly. Mm. He says. Japan will want to improve today. They'll certainly need to improve their goal kicking, which is always a funny thing because that's just yes. targeting one player <laughs> rather than the 15. But he At points out that their sponsor, Stein Lager, has promised Japan a case for every try, uh, is in a, case, a full case of, star- of beer, full case of lager for every try they score and two cases for every goal they score. Mm. So there is, they are promising more for kicking a goal, which is easier than it is for scoring mm-hmm. a try. Maybe we'll come back to that at some point um, as a statistic. But um, it's, just, it's an interesting case of them not really knowing. I don't know if they went, oh, if they convert the try, then they'll get three cases. Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's like an incentive but, to score under the posts or something. Yeah, yeah it's possible. And Japan were two from ten in the last game. Mm. So their goal kicking was very poor. So I guess it's an incentive for the goal kicker to have the motivation to kick it over. Maybe it's just... Like, it, they were being coached by Johnny Wilkinson. He was in charge of the Stein Lark. I guess so, yeah. But, like, imagine as soon as they heard that promotion. If you're Hirao and you're the goal... No, in fact, it was Matsuo was the goal mm. kicker, wasn't he? You yeah. think, God, I've got to go out and practice, like... Because we want to get drunk. And I'll tell you what, he didn't. Nope, he didn't. I wonder if it was, like, the Fijian football team and they were all just giggling and talking about the beer beforehand. I genuinely think um, that was a bit... If the commentators are talking about the beer they're getting promised as their Mm. intro to that team, it's likely the players are as well. But I I don't know. I wonder if it was just that was a thing put out as, like, a marketing stunt by Steinlager. Yeah, Because we're talking about Steinlager's promotions now, like... 35 years later. 35 years later. Yeah. So it bloody worked, didn't it? I really fancy a Steinlager now, actually. Yeah. Um... So, the, okay, the, the next few things do lead us into the game quite neatly. Okay, okay. So, uh, the anthems happen. Yeah. The English anthem is just kind of shite. It is, it um, is. It's just like a very unimpassioned un- anthem. The thing I enjoy um, there is the point where the camera goes to the England coach and he waves at the camera. Yes. That's like, a, a thing of like, oh yeah, we're on television. <laughs> he waves at the camera instead of singing the anthem. Like, he isn't singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's just like, oh, hi, how you doing? How you doing, mate? Uh, Imagine Eddie Jones doing that. (laughs) The Japanese anthem, on the other hand, however, because at the time it's it's quite a recent cultural thing of singing the Japanese anthem. Like Mm -hmm. it used to just be the thing that you stand and listen to it, and maybe there's one nominated singer, but you know you don't sing along. And it's quite a recent thing that's come in in the last sort of ten years. Sure. You know, like players singing the anthems in any sport. Mm. So instead, none of the Japanese players sing, so they all stand in unison. Yeah, and because that Japanese anthem is so haunting and oh, it's good, like it's I love great. It. But it is that kind of like ha- yeah. it's a very different spirit to most national anthems. Definitely, yeah. It looks like the end of a disaster, like a very somber disaster movie. And this is all the survivors looking over the corpses of the people they lost. <laughs> like there it's kind is of like them all vibe. having their arms around each other and looking very sad while this intense music plays. Yeah, hell of a way to pump yourself up before a rugby match. Yeah, <laughs> to just you know think on the earthquake that just happened. The other thing. Is the referee. Okay. Who is René Herke. Okay. Who is a Frenchman. Okay. Right. I've, not, I've not looked into this. Um, but, but however, my big question isn't, have you looked into it? It's, has the orphan from the musical looked into it? You know, the orphan from the musical with the red hair. So it's, would it be René Herke, René Herke, René Herke, and it doesn't work. It worked in my head. I haven't done it out loud. Renny Hurkay, Renny Hurkay, Renny Hurkay, Annie. 
I'm not going to dignify like, this. Do you get it? Response. Do you see what I, I'm doing? I get it. It worked in my head, and I, it doesn't work out loud, and I really didn't commit to it fact, the way I should get have. is the wrong word. Um, I understand it. I, you understand what I'm going for. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, did you have another thing you wanted to just for kick off? No. No, no it's then the, the Japanese, the Australian, Americans calling them hot popcorn. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And the game starts, doesn't it? Then they start the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Weird game, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, because... You'd think from that first half that England are the team being promised two cases of lager for every shot of goal. Right? I literally have written down, okay, we're only 30 seconds in, but I have no idea how England are going to win this. <laughs> no, I can see no like, way of them doing something good in this game. I knew before this game that England scored exactly 60 points. Okay. Right, and I couldn't remember how many points Japan scored. Yeah. Uh, but I knew they scored a lot of points. Mm. And so when you get like 20 minutes into this game, you're going, how? H- how? How? Because England look like the better team, mm. but they don't look like a 50-odd points, this is no. our best ever performance. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> no. They, they, basically, uh, they managed to really like wear Japan down yeah. over the course of the first four minutes of the game. Be- because Dean Richards punches every single member yeah. of their team. Yeah, that, that really helps. Dean Richards definitely helped England win a lot yes. um, with with his right hooks. There's I, One player I really enjoy is on debut, Japan bringing um, Misutake Hagimoto at Scrum Off, who, for the first five minutes, absolutely shits himself every single time he gets the ball, right? <laughs> There's a point in the second half where Japan have a scrum on about the 15-metre line in the England 22, and one of the England flankers, I think it's Winterbottom, kind of flies up on him as he's taking the ball out of the base, and he just kicks it into dirt. <laughs> Japan had a prime attacking opportunity, and he kicks it out on the full in fear. So yeah, but it's interesting because it, at the start of the game, that was happening every single time we got the, got the ball. Like, mm. uh, like it was the ball's coming out of scrums, and even if nobody was anywhere near him, he would just dive past it because yeah. he didn't. He wanted to like accept the tackle before anyone's even thought about it. And then there's one point where he gets absolutely nailed by Brian Moore. And suddenly becomes a beast for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> like, he's suddenly just there like, yeah, Dean Richards, I'm harder than you. And like, he's running down his channel all the time. And just running at all the people like three times his size. Just because Brian Moore really hurt him once. And suddenly she's like, oh, okay, I've it's got superpowers like, yeah, now. He's had the worst case scenario and he's gone, that's oh, it. that wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. think that's what we need, to, we need to get Brian Moore out of the commentary box and down on the pitch to nail Stephen Varney? That is it. And see if that's that, the antidote that sorts to... him out. Being like his pussy kinda, on an international rugby pitch. Jesus, okay. No, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm so that kind of like sorts his, you know, Stephen Varney's like generally spend the Six Nations a bit cautious and yes. anxious. I do not mean what um, I just said about Stephen Varney. For the record. No, no, I appreciate it. He makes a lot worse. He makes a lot more tackles than I do on a rugby pitch. <laughs> yeah. and he plays internationally. There's also, so I spoke before about Gordon Bray talking about the <clears throat> back row. Mm. At one point, he says the back row are in concert together. Yeah. Um, it's quite a nice which, phrase. Yeah, it's quite a nice phrase. But I also just had this nice image of Peter Winterbottom playing a trumpet. It's <laughs> quite fun. Uh, so about seven or eight minutes into the game, right? England get into the Jap- Japanese 22 somehow. Yeah. And they are five metres out. They have a penalty about, you know, like 10 metres away from the posts. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, kickable position. But five metres out from the line. And they decide to go for goal. Why... And I want to ask you this question. I want your best theory. Would you ever go for goal when you could just tap it, considering defence hasn't been invented yet? (laughs) 
Was this England had the penalty? England had the penalty. Yeah, so they didn't have any lager on the line either. No. Like, yeah, it's, so, it's a great question. Because they, they kick the first they two kick for penalties, goal. They, kick, they put the first three penalties. First three penalties, So yeah. they kick for goal. Jonathan Webb kicking, who's the fullback, who mm. came in seemingly out of nowhere, apparently. He's from Bristol. He was seemingly unheard of, called up out of nowhere, mm-hmm. was apparently playing all right for Bristol, but wasn't the standout. And suddenly yeah. he's England's starting fullback at the World Cup yeah. and goal kicker. Yeah. Because Peter Williams doesn't know what, how you, to you use are a correct. leg. You're um, very correct about the whole thing about defence not being invented yet. But the issue is, catching the ball hasn't been invented yet either. No, but that happens more than defence. Yeah, I guess so. Like, sometimes it happens by fluke that people put their hands in the right place and clap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> they're, try- they're trying to clap along with yeah. whatever, the, whatever the crowd are chanting and the eagle has landed yeah. or Sunday Bloody Sunday or whatever it is that's, that's important at the time. They're trying to clap along with that and accidentally a ball just lands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That it's, it's like a Rip and Heaven minigame. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. just kind of clapping yeah. and they kind of clamp on. And so Jonathan Webb instead lines up three shots a goal. And do you want to know an interesting fact about Jonathan Webb? Yes, I do. So Jonathan Webb was currently studying for his PhD during this World Cup. Oh, okay. Uh, and his finals, his kind of final like assessment for his PhD mm. was three days before the World Cup final was used to be played. Wow. So if England got that far, he would have had to sit it in New Zealand. He had arrangements made just in case. Wow. Uh, and that's very cool. To be as fair. it happens, it wasn't, and he flew back and was able to take it back in Bristol. Yeah. But that was that was all lined up. That's uh, cool. Clearly, though, his PhD was not in maths, because England keep kicking for goal when Japan are not defending. Yeah, yeah. It's a bizarre bit They're of occasionally tackling, but they're not defending. Mm, yeah. There's no organisation to their tackles whatsoever. Speaking of tactics, by the way, there's a <laughs> point... Were there some? Well, we'll come on to this, okay. because... There's a point where the J- Japanese coach comes onto the pitch, yes. calls everyone into a huddle, and starts talking to them. And the commentators say the following. So Gordon Bray says, oh yeah, the, the Japanese coach on the pitch, I wonder what that is. And Mark Allen then says, maybe the coach is um, giving them tactics. I've never seen that before. <laughs> yep. He says, but to a coach giving players tactical advice, mean, like- I've never seen that before. And it shows. <laughs> I think it means just more like on the pitch. It's sure. the, the Razio Asmus thing. But like, yeah, yeah. Also, I don't know if it's the coach or it's just a water boy coming on. And yeah, talking, yeah, yeah. But still, it's still they're sending messages on, which wasn't a thing that anyone did at the time. Yeah. And this is the start of something that is now like commonplace at every level of rugby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And it starts here in this game. Mm. This beloved game that we all adored so much. Yes. England 60, Japan 7. Yeah. From 1987. And it is really interesting to see because it doesn't bloody work. <laughs> No, like the no. first thing you'd think the first example of a coach coming well, off the pitch. It depends. It depends what tactics he was giving him. If the tactic he was giving him was miss more tackles, then it really worked. So the interesting thing about this as well is he calls all fifteen players into a huddle mm. during a goal kick by England. Yes, right. So if if Doctor Jonathan Webb mm. lined this up quickly, took it quickly, and missed. You know, Rory Underwood easily could have chased that and dived on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And bear in mind, Rory Underwood was competent. Rory Underwood was rapid as well. Mm. He would have been quicker than all 15 Japanese players leaving a huddle whilst the ball was live. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I think it's a fascinating thing that this thing that is now ubiquitous in rugby didn't even work at the time. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It didn't even work the first time it was done. Yeah, like, this yeah. is really it's the first time this was happened. Like, yeah. There's also a point in this game where we see a, a dropout charge down for the first time in the Rugby World Cup. We do. We're just like, we you do. know, tiny things being thrown in. And it's like, oh, this never happened in the Rugby World Cup before. Yeah, Here's yeah, the first yeah. one. Yeah, it's cool going for those statistics. Yeah, this is the first time someone called Mike has scored in a Rugby World Cup. It wasn't, um, he scored in the previous game. He just going, oh, yeah. he did, he did, he did. I was just trying to use an example. First time someone called Salmon scores. 
It's good. That's First good time point. the eagle lands. Yeah, <laughs> no eagles have landed in Liverpool. Pigeons have landed in Liverpool no, like, before. This is the real problem with the USA team: is they're all floating two inches off the ground. <laughs> yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's then a passage where Japan, after that penalty get down the England half and they put some genuine pressure on them and like, mm. they pressure their exit and everything yeah, which maybe yeah. the tactics they were going to be told shortly or yeah. they've been told not to do that yeah. um, and they end up getting a good position uh, of which they run a pretty good attack and like Fujita handles the ball about five times during mm. the one passage yeah they go, they go wide twice in the same like, yeah. phase Fujita keeps ruck. popping up like it's, yeah, it's really yeah. nice actually and Harau has a hell of a knife for a gap like he finds space like it's a point where he else. just mugs everyone off. Like mm. everybody's expecting him to pass. It's one of those really satisfying dummies where, like the Paolo Gobbisi one, he scored off on debut yes. uh, against Ireland. Like one of those style ones where, like everybody is expecting him to pass, apart from him. The player he really reminds me of is Minoru Yamamoto, the Sakura 15s ten, the you know Japanese women's team's mm-hmm. player. Yeah, they've seen like really similar players, and that they're just really individually skillful in a way that sure, yeah. both enhances and is possibly the detriment I can see of the team. That. That like, yeah, yeah. They are so skillful they open up and find is gaps. Is she the one who wears scrum cap? Yes. Yeah, she yeah. plays for Worcester in the Premier 15s. Right. Um, and she's very good for them. She's kind of been a yeah, stand-up. No, she's good. She's season. very good, yeah. Um, she's excellent. And like, Harau reminds me an awful lot of her. They're just very similar, like the similar build, similar sort of shape and similar style of genuinely attacking the line mm. and calling off like calling off plays quite suddenly sure clearly having moves organised then we'll just spot a gap and go yeah, yeah. and somehow translate that there's a lovely moment where he throws a dummy goes through and clearly Japan have been running the switch behind with the two centres doing that like X Factor move yeah, yeah, yeah and he still manages to turn his body and slip it to the player running that mm. line yeah. Uh, and it shouldn't work, but because he's just incredibly, like, naturally exuberant and skillful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and he's good. He has a really nice touch um, yeah. on him. I banged on to watch. about him a lot the last time, but I think he's, I think he's, he's really stands out. One of the standouts in the air, certainly in that Japan back line, like, he's one of the few players who looks like he's seen rugby before. Better than Peter Williams. Um, yes, undoubtedly. That's for certain. I mean, he spent times time in the Premiership in England, like he'd been, you know, playing over Makes there. Makes sense, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So about 32 minutes into the game, mm. quite an important moment. Matsuo is given penalty mm. between the posts. And rightfully so, you know, they're only six nil down. The Japanese skipper Hayashi decides we'll go for goal. Seems pretty yeah, straightforward to do, doesn't it? Especially with somebody who has maybe potentially kicked a rugby ball before. Mm. You'd imagine they'll be able to get that. No, no. Doesn't seem like the case here, lads. It doesn't look like he actually kicks it is the problem 
It's genuinely right. the worst miss of the tournament so far. Genuinely, when players, when players generally speaking, mm-hmm. kick a rugby ball, yeah, they tend to make contact with it with their foot. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the key. That's the important. And one. the interesting thing about Matsu is that he takes a few shots at goal in this game, mm. and he has the same technique for all of them. So it's clearly a decision. Yeah, which is that he will try and become the rugby goal kicker whose foot has the least contact with the ball <laughs> with the least force possible. Yes. So he barely, like, just about gently grazes the ball as he passes it. Yep. And the ball gets slightly off the ground each time. Just want to inconvenience the ball too much. No, exactly. The ball's travelled a long way to get there. It is the kicking equivalent of an underbaked scone. <laughs> yes. It certainly is the underbaked scone of kicks in this Rugby World Cup. I would yes. give you that. But yeah, so he misses that, and it's horrific. And there is no larker for the Japanese team. No. So England kick off the kick the dropout, and uh, it goes probably not very far, mm. but wide. So it's on the wing, and England just go, we'll give away another penalty, why don't we? <laughs> At which point Hayashi then goes, you know what, it's Matsuo, time. I trust you, bro. I trust you, man. You, look, you, you may have missed that kick between the posts there, but I back you. We all, we all make mistakes. We, I, I bet that you'll get the next one. Even though it's a much harder kick, we're going to go for this. That's what it seems, he says. Realistically, what he says, I want to get fucking drunk after this. And he says, go for goal again. Matsuo nails it mm. from the touchline. And like, it took me until the second half to realise, oh, that's what he was doing. He wants to get pissed after the game. <laughs> uh, because like, I, I wrote him down as a dick of the day for the fact that he opted to go to send Matsuo to go to goal, mm. for goal again after missing... Genuinely one of the worst kicks I've ever seen. And then I realised, no, he, he wants beer. But because he's, he's got thirsty. such a specific approach to kicking goals. Yeah. The closest thing I've seen in recent times, just for kind of listeners' sake, is like yeah. Craig Laidlaw, mm-hmm. who kind of chipped the ball sure. a bit. Yeah. It's kind of a bit like that, but far softer and far like... Yeah, I can you know, see He gets that. under it a bit more and he mm-hmm. kind of lifts the ball up a bit. And so mm-hmm. he's got like a very clear like arc up and down. Yeah. I wonder if he had a technique that is more effective from angles than in straight in front. Like the Maybe. way he kind of swings onto the ball, and this might be absolute bollocks. It probably I think it is. probably is because he should still be able to get the one just in front. Exactly, but there's something about the way he kind of swings round and yeah. just like graces and chips the ball. I guess. Slightly. I guess. But I wonder if it's like it is always heading at a diagonal angle. Yeah, because it's kind of the two he misses that are very gettable at near the post. Both fade in the same way away from him. Yeah, in the way that when he kicks that one from the corner, it fades. Away from him in the same way, but sure. having to go between the post. Yeah, and I think he hits all of them exactly the same. It's not like he hits one wrong and he hits the others mm. right. I don't know. I think it's a mildly interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But also, it's literally just Hayashi wanting beer, sure. feeling thirsty, and wanting wanting more more opportunities to go for goal. So Japan kick it and like, go six three. You know, and Japan in the eighties like famously reluctant to take another cultural stuff at this time. Still, yeah. I wonder if just like. Lager was pretty hard or expensive to get hold of. Probably. They're probably, yeah. you know, quite excited by the thought. Like, yeah. You know, like, very, like, American drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can bring in. And that might be, again, cultural bollocks. I don't know. It, but it's based on <laughs> bits of research. Yes, quite possibly. So, there's um, not probably not too much left in the first half. There's there's a few little bits, but... There's an outstanding moment by Rennie Hurke, Rennie Hurke, Rennie Hurke, Annie. Yeah. Where he awards a holding on penalty. And he does, basically, 
You know the bit in the room where Tommy Wiseau goes, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. Yes. He just does that. <laughs> he just does that. Like, he, he's gesturing holding on like he's just won a wrestling match. Like, he kind of puts his arms apart and he kind of goes, Aah! and like tears his whole body down and like goes down as though he's celebrating a... He's celebrating like a heroic win in and the WWE. Immediately, Dean Richards like, turns to him and goes, I did not hit her. <laughs> he looks like he's an anime character charging up an attack. <laughs> sure. I don't actually know the instance you're referring to, but like, I can picture it. It really stood out to me. Yeah. The man in the French jumper shouting and screaming, no doubt. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a funny moment where Mike Harrison catches a kick then slips over and throws an intercept pass because he doesn't want to get tackled, which I think is just generally quite funny. There's oh! a No, sorry, I think it's for actually the penalty that Matsuo hits. Yeah. It's for a high tackle mm-hmm. um, as Japan are regathering that dropout. Yeah. And the commentator says, oh, I don't think that's even a penalty. It definitely doesn't go high. And then I rewound it and like, oh, it's a clear red card these days. Yep. <laughs> that would be an absolute yeah, yeah, red, yeah, nailed on yeah. red these days. Yeah. The other thing the commentator then says, and Mark Heller, as you say, it must be hard for these English not to go high. The Japanese are so low to the ground. <laughs> it's a very interesting thing, thing to say. And I think that's sadly too good a segue to ignore for the other Mark Heller thing that happens on the commentary in this game, which I have recorded here. Listener, I don't think you're ready for this. But isn't that flanker everywhere? Miyamoto. He seems well, in- inexhaustible. Well, it's hard to say, Gordon. They all look the same. <laughs> <laughs> no way! Mark Heller being horrifically racist on live television. <laughs> At one point, he says... Uh, no, it's uh, Gordon Bray says, Intercepted by a Japanese... <laughs> But it's not quite the same. Yeah. As... Yep. Literally. Oh my when God. he said that, did you did you skip through that? Did you I miss didn't that? See line? that? I didn't yeah. hear that. So when that happened, I literally gasped so much that my mum, who was upstairs in my house at this point, yeah. came down and asked what it was, and I had to play the clip. Um, How did she react? She said, "Well, we've come a long way." <laughs> yes. Yes, you can say that. <sighs> I don't know, Gordon. They all look the same. And the other, the, the other thing that's important. The other thing beyond that is like it's just shite punditry. It is. It is. It is. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it back once more. Okay. But isn't that flanker everywhere? Miyamoto. He seems well, in- inexhaustible. Well, it's hard to say, Gordon. They all look the same. It's horrifically offensive, what he says. But the, the, the other thing is, like, it's literally in response to Gordon Bray saying, Miyamoto's having a pretty good game. And then when Gordon Bray goes to, like, add to it, you can hear him saying, well, like, wanting to interject. Yeah. He was really keen to say this. Because it'd be so easy for him to just say, yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Even if he doesn't know which player is which. And it yeah. happens with commentators and pundits and where they don't know the players. you haven't seen much of the other team and so exactly. you mix up, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, And, like, yeah. it's happened for me in and this World Cup where I don't know the players and so exactly. you mix them up. But and it's... It happens when, you, you know, you're learning new players, whatever. But you can just go... Yeah, he is. He's getting around the and park. And also, they don't all look the same. Nope. The other thing is, like, me and the player talking about is visibly the biggest player in the Japanese yeah, team yeah, yeah, by yeah. a long way. He's, he's, he's like, huge. He's the, st- like, he is the one who is hardest to mix up with the others. The only player who looks remotely like Miyamoto in the team is Chida, the number eight. Yeah. He's the only other player of a similar stature to him. Yeah. 
Miyamoto really stands out amongst that pack. Yeah, yeah. And the Japanese teams are pretty distinctive. Yeah, like yeah. They're, you know, you've you've got that back row of visibly huge compared to the others. Yeah. The props are proper prop shape, but then you've got Vegeta, who's kind of like the Shota yeah. Horie, like weird little guy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, actually, what the only one of the back row who is like the back row will stand out because they're different, slightly different. Yeah, builds. yeah. One of them wearing a scrum cap and being slightly shorter. Really. Yeah. It's not true. It's not the case. They don't look the same. He literally just chooses to be racist on television for the sake of it. Yeah. Well, it is like he makes a really hard left turn into racism out of nowhere. Yeah. It's quite, quite, quite (laughs) extraordinary. It's... I shouldn't laugh because it is offensive. But the fact that somebody chose to say that live it would be so easy to have not said it yeah that's it and he really really forced it out of himself Mm. that as i gasped so much that i can't like i can't help but laugh at that (laughs) it's a thing that was said in commentary yes yes it 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 most certainly is i bet our Real great friend Ken would love that. He certainly um, would. Good old Ken Rehill. He'd be what a guy. Absolutely all over it. Just another commentary moment. I've got Go to jot down. Another couple of them. <laughs> oh, I've got point, a few Gordon later Bray on. goes. Kazuki fell over. What a shame. <laughs> yeah, made me laugh. Accurate, accurate. And the other great thing. Uh, they're talking about Harau, who, as well as being a great eye for a gap and everything, had a huge boot for a. Uh, mm. You know. Again, especially for the time, like sure, yeah. he had a fifty meter punt on him. He was great, yeah. Um, and it makes you wonder even more why he wasn't kicking goals, yeah. And at one point, Gordon Bray says, "Such a big punt for such a small man," which is also how I describe London Irish as halfbacks. Uh, one <laughs> nice. syllable off, yes, one, one letter, letter off. off, yeah. Gordon Bray commentary highlights I have written down. Mm. One of them is he's talking about how good Japan are, and then says Japan have actually had several sessions over the last twelve months. <laughs> what we're going on this commentary thing right we're doing gordon bray tennis yeah one point he says this player is formerly from western super mare <laughs> so where's he from now where's he from now where's steve bambridge from right now he's formerly from western super mare there's um mark eller says uh talking about uh, matsuo's kicking style which you obviously summed up quite well, mm. says that it's really important that you just stroke these balls uh, over, you know. He says, if you force it, the ball might start doing funny things. I'm pretty sure this sounds an awful lot like a check yourself a testicular cancer advert. Just stroke the ball gently, otherwise oh. it might do funny things. <sighs> no, no, in the shower, check yourself. So, Before the you other thing. Yourself, make sure you do it in that order. Please. The other thing, Gordon Bray at one point... Starts talking about as I think it's John Webb's lining up a kick a goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone's lining up a kick a goal anyway. <laughs> it's probably Bloody Japan looking for an extra pine. Starts talking about Burke Rugby Club. Right? Did you did you pick up on this? No. So he says, "Oh, like uh, and there'll be a lot of people from Burke Rugby Club watching here. I want to say good luck to Burke Rugby Club." And you're like, "Why are you mentioning Burke Rugby Club?" Then he says, "My brother." of course, is captain and coach of Burke Rugby Club. And good luck. My brother is captain and coach. And it's like, Gordon Brain, no one gives a shit. Why the hell do you think we'd care that your brother is isn't captain it and coach? Brother? It's Gordon Bray, isn't it? Oh, okay. I think it was Mark Eller. Oh, well, that makes more sense then. Mark Eller starts talking about it and says, I would like to wish them luck playing against their local rivals tomorrow. And Gordon Bray then just goes, I think they're going to need it. 
And that's it. That's the end of the I conversation. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I thought Gordon Bray was just telling us about his local rugby club. And no, bo- no, no. Because it sounds like he's really boasting that his brother is sure. captain. You yeah, know, like, yeah. My brother's captain, actually. I'm kind of a big deal of Burke Rugby Club. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. I mean, I've got it written in quite firm terms in my notes because I didn't think we needed to hear it from Gordon Bray. No. Uh, you with your face. I wonder if his brother has a body. It's Mark Eller generally coming out with these stupid takes on commentary so far. Yeah. Um, and bear in mind, uh, I will add as well. The thing about after the, other... the after the racist thing, Gordon Bray was silent for the next ten seconds. The thing and then eventually goes anyway. Back to the rugby. The thing about the Eller brothers is they all look the same. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. They do. They all look like they would enjoy Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so I also want to bring up right yep. the English lineout. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked in the past about the USA have recently just absolutely revolutionised line-up play. Yeah. Right? And we've seen a complete revolution in them just waving their arms in the air. Japan yes. do it once. One player does it. But they don't yet have the tactics of everyone waving it all at once. Yeah, yeah. But we've also talked about cracking the USA's line-up call. Uh-huh. I picked up on a bit of England's line-up call, Okay, right? I have one written down. Okay. I have that Lancashire ball is throw it to Dean Richards. Because <laughs> he's from Lancashire. I assume there was something something like that in there. He's from Lancashire. Right. Okay, that makes sense. England also called Arsenal ball, Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal ball. And that is throwing it to two. Okay. So okay. I figure, it, is it a call it to whatever football club you support? Oh, that could supports? be it. Or cricket club. Or... Yeah, and so it becomes a cricket club instead of Dean Richards because he's probably more into cricket than yeah, football. Yeah, no doubt. No yeah. doubt. He's more of a cricket man. That does make sense. They each have one thing for them individually. Because I was thinking, like, is it because it begins with an L... Could that maybe be in middle? So what I did is when I saw the Arsenal Because L is in middle. Because I knew it was, they threw it to two for Arsenal. I went to look up and see, did Arsenal finish second in the top division that year? <laughs> that might be the line-out call. It's like, Liverpool's won. That would have been won. brilliantly intricate if that was the case. Arsenal instead finished fourth. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. Everton won the league the year running into this, uh, which must have been a long time ago. <laughs> Football. Football banter. So, um, my brother's Captain of Burke. Don't don't make fun of me. Are you Captain of Burke? Um, not you, Captain of Burke. Oh, am or I am I a Burke? You're. A... Oh, hang on, hang on. Let's set this up again so I can okay. slam dunk you. Okay. Hey. Hey, man. You... <laughs> hey, did it hurt when you fell from Burke? Are you are you the Captain uh, of the, Burke? Uh, Hero. Are you are you a Burke? No, hold on. Let's do this again. Do this okay. Again. Okay. Okay. So, have you got a huge punt for such a small man? I haven't, actually. Right, are you the captain of the Burke? You're a Burke. <laughs> Classic. Should we talk about Rory Underwood's try? <laughs> can if you like. It's basically... Okay, I'll sum it up as very as quickly as, as quickly as I can. I'll get close to the mic just so uh, I can do this. Basically, Kevin Sims gets the ball, runs, and then goes, okay, what do we do in this situation where I've slightly broken through the line? Get the ball to Rory Underwood. So he just kicks it generally in the direction of Rory Underwood. Rory Underwood's fucking rapid, so he just scores. <laughs> That's it. I've got W2F Underwood try written. Yeah. Um, and likewise, for the next try England score, I've got England are boring, winter bottom try or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have very similar. In fact, it's like, I don't know if I even bothered to write down. Peter Williams does a little dummy offloads, and then you have uh, Gary Reese Winterbottom and Gary Reese. Yes, of course. Winterbottom offloads. Yeah. Link. Yeah. And was well, it or whatever? Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> but it leads us into one interesting moment for the first half. Yeah. Where Japan have a boot runner set. Do they? Yeah. And nothing comes of it because Haral spots dummies and goes and makes a oh, break. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I do notice that point where Haral just starts stepping and going every single time yep. he catches the ball. They then uh, receive a penalty shortly afterwards. 
and they set up this mad formation where everyone stood in this kind of like they have like two waves of attack mm. behind everyone behind the scrum half. Yeah, and they run this mad thing that basically ends up being a crash ball, but because they run it miles away from England, they just have yeah, to wait whilst yeah, they run yeah. this lovely pattern. But it's a really interesting shape that kind of mm. there's a few things Japan do in this World Cup in the way. I think a lot of Japanese rugby being so based around set moves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, historically. And it being something Eddie Jones famous lent into. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. Something Eddie Jones famous lent into and then Jamie Joseph again. Yes. Yeah. And it's something that I think rugby has generally started to steal from more and more in the professional era. Yeah. And there are things Japan do now that are kind of prototypes of what would go on sure, to be I can see that. modern rugby. Yeah. But also in a way that is a complete coincidence. No, no, no. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like, um, I don't think anyone's stealing from Japan. I is. think Japan occasionally are ahead of the curve. Yeah. And things don't quite land. Even if they but... don't quite realise. Yeah. yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. As I say, there's trends there that kind of set into what the equivalent is in modern rugby, which is ex- like infinitely more structured and so on. Yeah. Yeah. We're more or less at half time now, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, at half time, they report that Glenn Webb has gone home from yes. the Wales camp following his concussion. And just as importantly, there is a kid eating raisins in the stands and his dad steals one. That's really cruel. Or at least I assume it's his dad. It's really cruel. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice looking raisin. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> that was not scripted. <laughs> Bottle of Bob. So we get into the second half. And England starts scoring tries, and it's weird because none of them are any good. They're, they're all so boring. Like every try they score is boring or shit. Even or the good shit. ones. Even the like, just oh, two, the, like incredible there's tries. Two really good tries. They're both boring. Yeah. Like there's a length of the field try which we'll cover later. But like, I just looked at it and just go, "All right, England, I don't care." Like, yeah. Have you noticed that every single game in this World Cup is basically the same when it's a battering? It's just like the teams will be close for a little bit. Then the team, the other team, will score like seven tries in a row without the opposition making a tackle, and that's it. And no, Sixty points. None of them are interesting tries, no. and all of them still feel like the team that have supposedly dominated the game and supposedly playing excellently well according to Gordon Braver's face. Yeah, are actually they seem shite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm yet to be impressed by a single team in this World Cup. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. maybe Australian patches in the last game are probably the best of the teams sure. that batted others. Yeah, yeah. New Zealand in that first game against Hippie, I guess. I guess, but also. I was too distracted by the Dolmio man. And the dog. Yeah, and the dog. the dog. And the dog. So I have written at one point, Mike Harrison break, shit tackle, offloads to Cheetah, who just runs into touch under no pressure. <laughs> and just like, genuinely, he ran into touch because he got bored. Yeah. And um, I mean, like, Japan actually do hold it for longer than you think in the second half. Like, sure, they get to about yeah. 50 odd minutes. And then, uh, <laughs> off first phase, they just throw it to Jamie Salmon. Incredible who... your man shit by Japan. Yeah. Jamie Salmon just, like, slipstreams his way through. Not even that. He just catches the ball and runs in a straight line. And Japan just goes... But it's... Not tackling it's, in. It's ex- that was kind of the phrase, the slipstream thing. Partly because it's a water analogy in, like, Salmon. Sure, but also, yeah, like, it felt cool. like there was just, like, one perfect path through the defence. Like, yeah. there's one line. If you run this line, you'll go straight through and no one will get near you. Because there's, like, a force field around it. And also, he catches the ball, and, and two players it. literally choose not to tackle him. They literally like run out of the way. Of yeah, they kind of like like cross each other. Back, like, like, oh no, he stepped me. Oh no, and it's like he didn't step to me. It he's feels literally like not there's loose. like a force field wall that he's happened to hit. Yeah, side that's of it. it. And he runs that's through. a good way of phrasing it. And the eagle does indeed land. Jamie Salmon. In fact, the eagle doesn't land. Jamie the Salmon does land. remains alive. To market Harlequins for another day. Yeah, England then get like a like a pushover try as well. Yeah, Dean Richards diving over. Richards the point where even the commentators are talking about how shit Japan are. Yeah, uh, England do one scrum in the second half, 
where they set up. So nine puts the ball in. Dean Richards then breaks off the scrum. And the scrum half picks it up and pops it to him. Except for the fact that he is smothered really quickly. Yeah. They try to do a pop back on the loop to the nine who drops the ball because no one can catch in the I era. have written down, has a back row move literally ever worked? Because I'm yet to see one actually It work. works in that first game for New Zealand. And never again. Yeah. I'm literally yet to... Like, how did it take so long for them to realise that eight popping it to the nine who's standing off is so much more efficient than the other way around? I know I've said this before, but... 2018, Eddie Jones said he thought back row moves were going to come back into the game. Yeah. It, I mean, look, have... if a good coach got hold of it, I'm sure it could. I genuinely the thing don't is, know. Right, they're cleverer than me. They bloody haven't, have they? No, they haven't. It's been four years now. The game you know, is different. It was here's gonna... an interesting analogy of when I first started playing third team rugby. Mm. That we had a number eight, a big Welsh number eight, who was in his 40s, right? Right. And was there because, like, I'm playing rugby for a long time, and I'm massive, and very, very old school. And there was a point where we were losing a game by about 20 points. We had 10 minutes left. I was playing scrum half, and the 10 had just called a move. And the number eight just comes up to me and says, I've just spoken to our flanker. What you're going to do is you're going to pick the ball up and run to the right and pass it inside to the flanker. And I was like, what? I've never seen that before. And also, surely that would be a forward pass. And uh, I thought, right, okay, I'm going to ignore the... T-. You know, I was a little yeah. 18-year-old scrum half or whatever. And I put the ball into the scrum and thought, well, I'm going to go with it because he's the captain. Yeah, and he's just and told he's, me I'm really He's bigger than the 10. And I did. I picked the ball up, passed it inside to the, the flanker who'd broken off quickly. He, he knew this move was happening. And it was a forward pass. Yeah, of course um, it was. Forward pass wasn't given. Okay. He got nailed. Yeah. And we lost the ball. He knocked it on. So the only time I ever remember seeing a move like that come off, twice yeah. actually, twice. Yeah. The same thing, Joe Beerman and Sergio Parise picking up as a number eight five the two meters best. out. The two yes. greats. The two, two best number eights I've played the game. Both of them picking up five metres out and doing a behind the back pop pass inside. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Azar Andazani scored on one. Yeah, he did. And... Gone for the Dragons. Yeah, some probably Lewis Evans. No, it, well, I, I forget the flank. He's played for the Dragons for about a season. Okay. But I remember if I saw him, I go, oh, it's the guy that scored that Joe Bayman try. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Against maybe like the Scarlets or someone. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I do remember the Parise one you, you're referring to, yeah. though. But either way, even that's using the number eight rather than the nine. Yeah. Like, but the thing is, like, clearly he'd seen, like, oh, yeah, this used to work a lot in the 80s and so on. Yeah. It was 2014 by yes. that point. Same thing, though, when you go back to the glory days of 97. Definitely do. But like, he just... de- genuinely de- probably had, like, that thought of, like, oh, yeah, yeah, why does no one do this anymore? Because it's fucking stupid. I so wish we could sit some of the people who say rugby's glory days of the 80s and 90s, sit them down and just make them watch these games. <laughs> yeah, because terrible, Jesus Christ, I barely remember them because my brain just deletes them. And so often when I'm watching these, my, you know, like when you're kind of, you've got like the curry cup on or something, yeah, you know, you're yeah. not really paying attention or like, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. you know, South African listeners will probably feel the same about the USA or, or the or whatever, team, you know? yeah. like you've got a game on in the background and you tune in occasionally when something exciting happens but yeah. you're kind of mostly doing other things sure yeah I kind of keep having the attitude watching these games really like, yeah oh, I've got to do a bloody hours <laughs> podcast on them it is terrible about this game uh, I do love it though but Kevin Sims like, I'm tried. not going to talk about the monster to lose game in any kind of professional capacity right no and that was incredible and I was so engaged in it yeah yeah but this I've got to talk about it for a bloody hour yeah yeah, Kevin Sims is Kevin tried. the Sims scores. Why Why don't Japan bother? Is, is what I've written down there. <laughs> Literally, it would be so much easier if you just tackle him. Rory Underwood scores another try, and Richard Harding does everything he can to try and blow it by throwing a dummy, and then realising, oh wait, no, I could just pass to Rory, and literally Rory Underwood stood outside me. 
there's a great moment where Japan are given the penalty on the 22. Mm. There's a, they set move up, they tap it, they do like three fancy passes just yeah. to give it to Miyamoto to carry. At which point the camera cuts really hard and there's just someone lying on the ground in the middle of the tunnel for the scrum bleeding as the scrum's setting over the top of them. And I don't know what happens, but I can only presume Dean Rich is involved. Yes. What I love about that as well, on that shot, you can visibly see Brian Moore staring at him looking really pissed off at him. Like, come on. And we, we we have a scrum here. Like I'm about to scrummage. I'm about to nail this guy in like, front of me. This guy is bleeding. Like, come on, out of his come on, face. Get out my way. In the get out of my way. Scrum. Yeah. And we don't know what happened. No, 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 no. I know Dean Richards was definitely involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, yeah. And that Brian Moore hated that he was stood in the way of the scrum. Could you not bleed somewhere else, mate? Miyamoto. He scores a try. Yes. Let's talk out about this. Absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So England are running quite a nice move. It looks like it's going to be one of the inevitable tries that just breaks. Yeah. Spirit. It's Reese and Harding uh, yeah. working in tandem together. At which point, Talma Falau, the winger, yes. kind of pops up with the intercept, pops it off the ground superbly to Haral, who does a lovely, like, just knows exactly what needs to be done. Yeah. Doesn't mess about, doesn't try and do too much himself. Yeah. Just pops it onto Miyamoto, running onto it superbly. Finishes it, scores another try after scoring yeah. the last game as well. And Talma Falau was very smart not to throw a stupid offload as, like, anybody else in the World Cup clearly would have done yeah. at that point. Yeah, and Miyamoto's support line is brilliant. And, yeah, he scores completely against the run of play, and... I'm here for it because we like Miyamoto on this podcast. He's, I mean, he's great. Yeah. He is the real standout. I think him and Harao, the, the two of them combining for that try yeah, was very nice because yeah, they are the two standouts for Japan. Emblematic of, uh, of the two players who are actually giving a shit for Japan. Well, I think, you know, there's a few of them who give a shit. They just are shit. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's also, that's very, very fair. Okay, the players who are, yeah, both trying and actually have some substance to them. So there's a point where England bring on a player called Francis Clough. <laughs> and I just look I just looked at it just like, what are you doing, Francis Clough? Like <laughs> it, it, that sounds like a novel. It does, doesn't it? It, it does. sounds like an indie movie. I've never heard like of Like Steve Coogan's in a supporting role. And yes. I I literally just looked up Francis Clough. He sounds so made up. Yep. He's so randomly generated. And like Literally, like, while that's happening, Mike Harrison scores in the background. I just don't care. Like, I'm too busy, too distracted by Francis Clough. And just like, oh, yeah, and Mike Harrison scored. But still, oh, yeah, Burglar Bill. Oh, yeah, that's his try. This is the, that's what I've got written. Boggler Bull. Which is, of course, what the baby says to Burglar Bill. Yeah, Boggler Bull. Boggler Bull. Boggler Bull. Boggler Bull pops up and does Boggler Bull things. Yep. Boggler Bull. Boggler Balls. Yep. He gets that, he goes, pops up, goes, that's a nice looking ball. I love that. Runs it in under the post. Those are nice four points. I'll have that. Yep. And then he scores again straight away. Straight away. And this is a brilliant try even by today's standards. It is a very this good try. This is one of these rare moments during this World Cup where you go, oh, that looks great by modern rugby standards. Yeah, that's it's cool. Not like you're not qualifying anything. Yeah. So Salmon makes kind of a half break and a little switch to Webb, the fullback. Mm. Pops it inside to Gary Reese, And Gary Reese's timing on this is really good, I think. Because, As like, is Harrison's support line. Which yes. is superb. And I watch it, it back on the replay. He is constantly floating so that he can hit the line late and yeah. run that, that final line. Yeah. It's incredibly ashton As he comes infield at the correct time. Yeah. And Reese like is very unselfish with his timing on the pass. He doesn't yeah. try to do too much, doesn't try to draw in too many players, you know. He just uh, just at the right moment allows Harrison the space to run that in. Uh, yeah, it's very good. It's excellent. It's an excellent, excellent try. And good finish and really good line. Yeah. And he appears to land in loo roll. Do you notice that? There seems no. to be a big la- like roll of toilet paper 
just like lying along the the, de- the dead ball area. Oh, maybe that was he what lands ne- just next to. They score thoughts. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Lager versus toilet roll. Yeah, that's the great lockdown challenge. <laughs> yeah, the two things people were panic buying the most. So I comes... mean, the other thing is, so Mike Harrison then gets a hat trick as well. He, runs he does. Third he does. Yeah, and he does that lovely thing where like the Japanese defender is hairing, the fullback is hairing it across as he's running down the way. Yeah, and he kind of like waits, steps inside, goes across. Mm. Mark Keller says he's being the, the polite Englishman he is. He lets the Japanese <laughs> defender get past him. I mean, that try to skip ahead to it mm. is really nice. That's like ninety meters. So. Rob Andrew had just come on at this point. No, Rob Andrew does one thing before this. He does. Should we talk about that thing? Let's talk about that thing. So England are in the 22. They're camped in the 22. They are five minutes out. And as I said earlier, defence has not been invented yet, right? Yeah. So they chuck the ball back to Rob Andrew for his first touch, having just come on. Yes. And he, he goes at 48-7 up. From a scrum five, first phase. scrum five, first phase, under little pressure, for a drop goal. <laughs> Why? It gets Literally, charged down. He like if he was promised a case of beer for every three points he scored, that would explain it. But yeah, why? Why you're the, forty points up, Rob? The worst thing about it as well is you kind of sense it coming. Like as yeah. the ball oh, goes yeah. his hand, you're going like a hundred percent. He's gonna bloody go for a drop. A hundred percent. I knew the whole time that like it's entirely like because he wants to score himself. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is like it's genuinely mad that it was a point where international rugby was like had players like that in it. Yeah, he just completely wants to go for himself, and yeah, he gets charged down as you say. Yeah, and, and like, Redmond scores straight away. But like that, that aren't as good as Ellie killed up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Who doesn't pass at the best yeah, of times? But is is wonderfully talented enough that she's unbelievable. Away with it. Yeah, yeah, and like um, same with like Mike Brown when like he was uh, yeah. in England shirt, like not passing suited him. Yeah, and it's kind of the same for Ellie Kildun, even though she's ridiculous with it. Like she yeah. takes the piss a little bit, but it does suit. Like that first try she scored against Ireland, where she did the two steps on the two players. Like that was the correct thing to do, even though she had players either side. Yeah, the try she scored against New Zealand in the autumn. Where she absolutely should have just given a simple pass. Yes, yeah, yeah. And she just dives for herself, yeah. kind of kamikaze style. Yeah. And she keeps getting away with it. Yeah, yeah. She keeps getting away with it. One day. Good thing she's talented. Yeah. Yeah, Redmond scores straight away from that. And she's yeah. like, don't care. Then we get the Mike Harrison hat trick. Harrison hat trick. So it's length for the field, which is 90 meters out. Makes it officially the most tries England have ever scored in an international. Of course. Of course. That try breaks that record. Yes. So the ball starts with Rory Underwood being very good, delivers a pass to Rob Andrew, who's under a load of pressure and gives a delightful ball onto Jonathan Webb. And he does really, really want to, to like shift that ball on. And you think like, oh, okay, he's better than Peter Williams, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Straight away, just like, oh, yeah, that's what they're missing the whole game. Oh, they've got to fly off now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah, Webb goes most of the way. Uh, again, Reese is in support. Reese really does get around the park a lot, uh, along with Win- Winterbottom, who again they feed inside, not on the outside this time, to Harrison, who steps inside the Japanese fullback, who isn't really trying at this point. But... No, oh, he's given up. Yeah. Murai um... comes into the line uh, an awful lot and then just stays there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, as he grounds the ball, watch your flash up on the screen, but network news will air just after the rugby. <laughs> It's really important. We need to know. We yeah. need to be really reassured by that. Yeah. I believe that's more or less everything I have There's on the game. a couple of moments and then the game ends. Yeah. That's, we could have said that at the start. We could yeah. have said that for every game yeah. we've covered on this bloody podcast. Yeah, so that brings us kind of to the end of the game. And kind of through all my boggler ball, boggler ball notes. Yeah. So, this brings us on to, finally, 
our dick of the match and man of the day. Yes, those two, those two things. Where should we start? Should we start? Should we do dick of the day first for a change? Just do dick of the day first for a change. So uh, there's there's a point in the second half where Japan start getting a lot of penalties, and I very rapidly realise that the scrum half doesn't drink because he's quick tapping everything. And just, just, the amount of times other players start looking pissed off at him, she's like, "No, we could go for. We want two crates of lager here." But I also then kind of realise that Hayashi got a bollocking at half time, didn't he? For the fact that he's constantly going for going for goal when it's not necessarily to the benefit of the team, it's just to help him get drunk afterwards. So clearly at half time he's had a bollocking. She's like, "No, we need to tap every penalty instead now," mm. and that's what they start doing. So that was part of it. I, I'm not going to give him dick of the day for that. I also wrote down Richard Harding for being shit. Like, because oh, I just kind of got it in the Australia game. We did that box kick at the start of just like, that's who he is to me now. Yeah. And it's just, it just pissed me off. Uh, so I just automatically have him down in Dick of the Day contention. But my Dick of the Day is big racist Mark Eller. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to argue with big racist Mark Eller. I mean, there's a, there's a handful of sort of contenders. Yeah. Um, there's a there's just a bizarre moment I don't quite understand where um, so Gordon Bray gets who's playing loose head for England wrong mm-hmm. uh, and instead of Paul Randall who it is and he then corrects himself later in the game because I calling him Randall but he says Gary Pierce who'd played in the previous game right uh, he says that's Gary Pierce the French polisher he said that a couple of times he also said that about Gareth Chilcott once what does it mean I don't know what does it mean because very clearly he's English yes. But I don't know if French polisher is like, or like, you know, the... All three of the places. The Maori sidestep being the joke. Okay, I don't yeah. know if it's like, oh, the French polisher is punching someone. <laughs> <laughs> or if it is just he polishes the French. It's possible. He just goes around to, like, Vincent Clair's house. Yeah. Just with, like, a feather duster. Yeah, just yeah. Just polishes him. Yeah. Uh, leaves. Don't know. Good don't question. Know. Um, I wonder that every night. Forever. So, but really, for me, I had a clear dick of the day. Then bloody played me that Mark Eller clip. Yeah. Um, Who was your dick of the day? My dick of the day was and could still be maybe Dean Richards. Okay. For Dean Richards, basically everything he does, like if it was cunt of the day, it would be Dean Richards, right? And he could be a man of the match mm-hmm. contender for all of those other things because he is just a prick, and his entire job on the field is basically to wear out the other the opposition forwards. Yeah. But you know that that phrase of like, oh, the you know the. The forwards win games, the backs up by yeah, how much. Yeah. Back in this era, it was only true because if you had a forward like Dean Richards, <laughs> he would kill seven of the other opposition forwards yeah. so the other backs could decide by how many points they want to score past yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And um, the opposition wouldn't have backs. The opposition wouldn't have backs anymore because Dean Richards, you know, you know he was a either the positions the backs or backs is in the part of your body. Yes. He was a policeman. Yeah. You know, so he could have, I don't know if it worked like in, in Samoa and if you had a policeman that could let you out if you were arrested. In yeah. your party, uh, and so he just got let out because everything he does is basically a violent crime. <laughs> so look, Dean Richards is contented for that. However, that's not why he was my dick of the day. Mm-hmm. My dick of the day is for him attempting to pass and to do rugby things, right? Because that is not why he's in the team. <laughs> him throwing a five meter forward pass, not why you're in the generous. team. Like, yeah, him throwing the ball to basically his own goal line from halfway. Yeah, into touch as well. We forgot that detail. He yeah, yeah. touch. Yeah, yeah. Not why you're in the team. We don't want Dean Richards to try anything related to rugby. It's astonishing he's been. In, like, he's only just leaving a position as a head it coach. Does, in the it does day. shock me. Like, it does shock me that in the day and age of TMOs, he is he's still in charge. Only involved because everyone's afraid of him. 
Yeah, that's also true. The um, Dimes method. So I think that it was Dean Richards for trying to do rugby instead of yeah. just being a hard prick. Yeah. But I can't. No, I'm going to stick with Dean Richards. I'm going to stick with Dean Richards. Okay. I'm going to stick by my guns. But also, Mark Heller, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Man of the match time. Mm. Um, so there's. I think Gary Reese is excellent. And Actually, he is, yeah. It's, he's somebody that. Toward, as the game kind of drew closer and closer to the conclusion, I thought like, oh, he's probably man of the match. But, and then, I mean, the best player on the pitch is Rory Underwood, but he touched the ball about three times. So it's not, <laughs> it's not going to be yeah. him. So I'm torn between Gary Reese and who I have written down as man of the match is Brian Moore. Because, mm. um, again, very good at set piece. Catches the ball when appropriate, which is always... Um, and makes a lot of good tackles and so on. Like I just generally enjoyed Brian Moore's mm. presence in this game. So I guess I'm going to go with Brian Moore, even yes. though it probably is Gary Reese, but still Brian Moore. I think that's a great shout. I think yeah. Brian Moore's a really good call. Uh, yeah, I think Brian Moore has been contention for me. I think Gary Reese is also excellent. I think you pointed out really well. As I said, Dean Richards does his job best than anyone else does their yes, job. Yes, very true. <laughs> just his job is being a spiteful prick. Yeah. <laughs> However, look, Partly because I like to fear a narrative. For me, Man of the Match comes down to two players that I... Oh, so Miyamoto deserves to mention. Oh, yeah, Miyamoto's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two players that I've previously given Man of the Match to. Jamie Salmon also, I think, has a better game than we give him credit for. Like, okay. I think Jamie Salmon has a good second half. Okay, yeah. Um, but Jamie Amsterdam has a yeah, very solid second half that like, pops up in a lot of the tries. Mm. However, right, two players that really stood out to me as players I just enjoy watching in this World Cup. And I've previously given both Man of the Matches because I like them. And I'm torn between the two of them. And I wish I had a coin to hand so I could flip it between them. Should we bring um, Pimony into the conversation, uh, maybe? Is he about? Is he about? Hold on, I'm hey. just going to check he's not on tour. Hold on. Hey, oh. hey, bro. Hey, bro. Oh, yes, Pimony, come into the room. Pimony, Pimony, Pimony. Have you been hanging hey. out with those lawyers? Hey, bro. How you doing, bro? Uh, I'm, I'm good, thanks, P Money. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good, bro. Uh, how's it? How's it going, bro? How's the? How's the money? Um, th- well, personally, my money isn't. Uh, it, th- that's not the money that people have come here to to all listen to. All the money in the world, about. bro. All the money uh, in the world. Hey, all the money in the world currently belongs to. I think is Robbie still in the room? You still, uh, Robbie? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, it, sorry, I'm wearing sunglasses. I can't. Uh, I can't he went really to like a Premier Fifteens player, didn't he? Is it Karis Williams? Karis Williams. Karis Williams. Yes, Karis Williams. I think so. Has I, can't, it. I wasn't sure if it had moved. No, because we had an update on where it began. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so we still we don't need, know where it's. We still, need still a full there. timeline of this. Don't <laughs> we need we? this we like written to, out. We really need the to law. get on this. We need to, like somebody yeah, to do bro. like a Weebly page on this. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, really funny, bro. <laughs> thanks for your money. Uh, how's your money? Oh, it's pretty. It's pretty good, bro. You know, I've still got one hundred ninety-nine percent of my money. Yeah. Um, pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty big good. fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just talking to to Sonny Bill recently. Bro. Yeah, yeah. And he was he's got the skills, Sonny Bill. He's got he's got the skills, Sonny Bill. Hey, hey. And I and I said to him, bro. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, bro? What are you going to do when I man on you, bro? What um, I like is you've added a couple of extra lyrics in the last went, 12 years. And and what Son- Sonny Bill said, bro, was um, I'm, I'm going to really uh, take the throat out of the neck of the game. Um, <laughs> bro. So, um, speaking of Sonny Bill, yeah, bro. bro, if I may, uh, he's uh, recently been challenged to a boxing fight with, uh, with Jake Paul. Is there anybody out in the world that you would like to fight? <laughs> Yeah, bro. Uh, so the one guy I really, really do want to fight uh, is Gary Lambert, uh, the <laughs> yeah. US, former USA forward. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah bro. Yeah. I, uh, I just, I just, 
I just think he's a prick. I completely agree with you, P Money. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I really can't. I really hate the YouTuber Gary and former USA forward and world poker champion Gary Lambert. Yeah, I have no reason to. No, I mean neither, bro. I don't even think I get like a bad vibe or energy off him at all. No, I mean neither, bro. But the one thing I really do think is I want to have a YouTube beef, and I'm gonna have it with yeah, bro. I completely yeah. I want to have it with him. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I want to have it with P Money. Would you mind if we had just finished? Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I just really want to have it with him because uh, he seems like someone who could definitely beat me up. But he's also <laughs> quite old now. Yeah. So it Back would be yourself. funny. <laughs> we'll get a lot of hits on one of your YouTube channels. Yeah, well, I mean, whoever wins. No, I mean, I would get hit a lot. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's a good one, bro. Good one. Um, P-Money, would yeah, you mind if I ask you a quick favour? Yeah, why am I here, bro? We need to, we need to flip a coin. Okay. Okay. To decide who Robbie's man of the match is. And uh, you're familiar with England against Japan from 1987. Oh, bro. I, I watched that so many times when I was, yeah. when I was a copper. You know, yeah. when I was just like, when I was a one penny piece. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I grew up to be, to be a bigger peat money. Yeah, yeah. So would you mind if we flip, flip, flip the coin? Sure, bro. I'll do a backflip. <laughs> okay, so. Wait, wait, which one's which, Robbie? <laughs> so we haven't even said who they are yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, my man of the match is between... <laughs> Your man of the match is heads. <laughs> no, I will reflip it. Seiji Harao, okay, who I love watching. He's yep. just like, he is the player in this game who gave me the most joy. Yeah. Like, just watching him do things and throw I dummies. I love that he's got like... a 50-50 when this team lost 60 points to 7. <laughs> I just don't care. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I love it. I, I love just, it. I think, I love his energy. I love the way he plays the game. He's the yep. player I enjoyed watching most. Yeah. And seeing as this World Cup doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't at all. <laughs> this podcast matters even less. Yep. Uh, he's there. And the other guy, right, Mike Harrison. Okay. Who I think puts himself about really well, runs really good support lines, takes inception really well, yeah. and is also boggle the ball. And so for the sheer value of being Boggle a ball, I think Mike Harrison, who just stands out to me, I think he's just really hard work. Are we not flipping the, t- the coin? Um, so what? Uh, so I'm saying, yeah, so oh, the, yeah, between those two. Okay, between okay. those two is like, just plays who so I thought really stands out. Much. Yeah, okay. they're, they're great, bro. I, I think Mike Harrison's one of the best captains England's oh, ever had. Shut up, P-Money. Hey, um, <laughs> I'm not going to flip myself now, bro. You're going to have to use okay, that. Hey, that's so rude. Sorry, that's I'm so joking. rude. I'm How just bantering with you because you're my bro. Bro, but you've got to be kind to your bros, man. Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. I thought it was just bounce. So it was just hurtful. What's it was hurtful, bro? What's heads and what's tails, bro? I'm just really sad, bro. I did you can't. I look. I think it's important we call these things out. That made me really upset. Bro. Okay, I apologize, P Money. Uh, Robbie, who's heads <laughs> and who's tails? You said that when you weren't laughing. <laughs> okay, okay. You can give say, me, give me a second. Save I, I was just thinking about your... the fact Gordon Ray has a face. Sorry, that's Gordon Bray has a face? <laughs> yeah, man. Bro, you're telling it's me Gordon, fucking Gordon Bray has a face, bro? Yeah. Gordon he, Bray has a face? He has a head and not a tail. It's mental. Oh, my. Bro, what? What? What's the absolute flip? <laughs> right? That's that, that, Maybe that's something you could write into your next EP. Yeah. A song about bro, Gordon Bray's face. Bro, I am... I am all over that news, that yeah. development. Gordon Bray has a face. Yeah, he has a whole ass Whoa, face. Bro. Wow. Um, so, Robbie, what's heads and what's tails between Harrison and Hirao? Both of them begin in H, they can't both be heads. Yep. So, well uh, Hirao will be heads and Harrison will be tails. Okay. Okay, bro, I'm going to do a backflip, going to get on this trampoline. And it's tails. Which one's that again? So that was Hirao, I believe. Okay. Someone can listen to the recording back and tell me I'm wrong, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's going to be Hirao. 
Sure, we'll say it's alright. It would have been good if one of the three of us paid attention. And look, that would be verified as well. So, P-Money, before you go, thank you for coming back yeah, on the podcast. Oh, on your way out, could you just have a quick chat with the lawyers to verify no troubles, that? Bro. How no are troubles. the lawyers, by the way? Oh, I haven't spoken to them in a while, right? Okay. They're mostly, like, um, taking calls, doing uh, okay. um, How many documents? are there now? There's loads, oh, aren't there? There's, there's about 400 these days. Yeah, they're multiplying a lot so fast. <laughs> you know what they say about lawyers and rabbits? Right? <laughs> they multiply, like, lawyers or rabbits, as the phrase yeah, famously is, goes. That is, that is the phrase. Anyway, thanks, P-Money, for guessing on the podcast it's no so worries, good bro. to have you back no worries no worries so thank you as well well thank you p money thank you well thank you everyone else yeah for doing the rugby please join us next time when the game the game will be new zealand against argentina new zealand looking to to close off the group their final group game argentina mm-hmm. looking to get out of that group knowing they need to beat the all blacks hugo porter famously saying in that that post match interview we bloody beat, better beat them yeah, yeah, no, that should be hopefully. And of a course, lot of if fun. Argentina don't win this, he would have gone round and bullied someone's parents for of course, no reason. Of course, probably an uncapped fly half. Yes, thank you, thank you. We are almost through the pool stage now. We've That's only got weird, a few more to go. Yeah, we're we most of the way through. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, we've only got like seven or eight games left. Wow, that is strange, but that's cool. Uh, yes. thank you for listening, and thanks as always to P Money and the lawyers. We'll see you then. Thank you very much. And once and for all, hurrah. Hurrah. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.